Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. Okay, this week is an interesting one. Kind of obscure. Um, I hope it's okay to say that. We're talking to Laura Campbell and Alan Edmonds of the 90s British pop trip-hop duo Mulu. Now, I would understand if most people don't know who Mulu is or was, especially in the States. They only ever put out one album called Smiles Like a Shark. In 1997, they released, that album had three or four singles on it, including Film Star, Desire, and this song right here, Pussycat, which I think is one of the greatest singles ever, definitely of the 90s. It is so good. And they were really steeped in that same kind of, you know, that trip-hop, electronic, sampling-heavy sound that was so big, especially in Britain back in the day. Chemical Brothers and... Portishead, and we talk about Olive. We talk a lot about these bands in here. Well, I thought it would be, I bought this CD on a whim, impulsively in 1997. I tell the story at the beginning here. And it's all I've ever known. I've never known who these people were, where they went, why there was only one album. I just knew that I really liked this song and this one album. And so it took me a couple of years, honestly, to track them down, and I eventually found them. And I'll be honest, this, uh, this conversation is different because as much as I was trying to kind of tell the story of this, you know, short-lived, unfortunately, group, it pretty much just devolves into the three of us loving music, talking about our love for music, dropping names, uh, bonding over the mutual admiration of certain groups or artists that we love. It's kind of off the rails, but it's just, it's full of heart and full of passion and full of love, if you ask me. So Laura and Alan have done music off and on. Alan especially has been doing some, does some remixing. Laura puts out the occasional solo stuff. Um, but it's, they're, you know, it didn't ever really take off quite like Mulu did briefly during that mid-90s period. Today they're still best friends. They live right by each other in Liverpool. So that's where this is coming from. I hope you enjoy this. I hope you hear some music that you really enjoy and will seek out because it's well worth your time, especially Pussycat, if you ask me. Um, it may not be, this conversation may not be for everybody because it's kind of uh, all over the place, but it's a lot of fun. And it was great to bond with these people whose music I've always appreciated but known nothing about. Okay, so here they are, Laura and Alan calling me from Liverpool. Well, for starters, I got to tell you how I discovered Mulu because it's not like you've had much, if any, impression on, in the States, unfortunately. Aww. But I know, I, I hate to start it out on a sour note, but in, uh, in 1997, I would have been in a Blockbuster Music record store and uh, Smiles Like a Shark was being played over the loudspeaker. And back then you could, uh, at Blockbuster Music specifically, you could listen to an album before you bought it which not everyone did that. 
And I remember asking the guy behind the counter, who is this? I really like what this is. And it was Pussycat specifically. Mm-hmm. And which is still just, I love that song. And I remember at the time thinking, feeling as if I had always known that song, but never being able to place if I had ever heard it. There was something very familiar about it out of the gate. And uh, so I just bought it. I bought the album on impulse right then and there. And I remember asking the guy, is there anything else like this that you have? And he said, believe it or not, you should listen to the new Madonna album, which was Ray of Light. (laughs) And uh, I really like that album too, actually, because it was in keeping of that trip hop vibe of the time, even though I'm not, you know, a diehard Madonna fan or anything. And, uh, but then I never heard from Mulu again, you know? Nothing else. Oh, no. I'm yeah. sorry if we're going to get into some bad uh, feelings here, but I'm really, I've been so curious where you guys went and what your story is. I got to, I got to start with one question though. In the back of the album, you, you thank Thomas Dolby for the inspiration of your name. Did this come from the song from the flat earth? Yeah. Yeah. Mulu, Mulu of the rainforest. What were you a fan of that album or what? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a fan of Thomas Dolby. He's just uh, a, Alan is he's an absolute fan. genius. <laughs> he's he's yeah. been my inspiration doing all the Mulu stuff. Totally. But we were we used to be called Juniper. Oh. But then um, just just before we were going to release Desire, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, we found out someone else was called Juniper, so we had to overnight change the name. And Juniper comes from a jellyfish song, Landscapes of Juniper from. Um, oh, Russian Hill. Oh, Russian Hill. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> so we had to change the name. So we just listened to the album, and I was going to say, "Oh, why did we call yeah, ourselves yeah. Mulu?" And then that's how that happened. So that's oh. that's where it's from. And he knows that as well because I think we had contact with him as well at some point. So really, uh, yeah, yeah. I never met him. I'd probably shit a break of him. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny you say this because, again, I don't know if you know, but I think a couple of days after we put out the Ian Burden episode, Matthew Seligman, who was the bass player on that album, he and I... Yeah, oh, you did? Oh, that's weird. No, it's not weird. It's fucking amazing. I was really listening to it, and I I, I always thought it was excellent. I thought it was excellent. Yes, I love it. I love shit like that. Yeah, well, good. Okay, so I love that album, too, and I was... I was so uh, impressed that that song or that album and Thomas, Thomas in general made such an impression on you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, not not just that album. I think I love all his albums, but it was just that we just so happened to just get the name from that album. But that album in itself is fucking amazing. It sure is. Yeah, and was it Screen Kisses? Just unbelievable. Yes. Oh, yeah. my. Do you, do you know the album, John? Yeah. I think you yeah. like by the oh, right. <laughs> I do. I love that album. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, the thing is, when I when I met Alan, um, it's interesting because uh, we we sort of met on a kind of it was through some friends really, and I went around to his house just to kind of like meet him, and, and we just kind of and I just and we actually just kind of riffed and did a little bit of singing on on top of some stuff that it was it was right mm. at the time. Mm. And the thing about it was through sort of meeting Alan, I sort of you know it's that thing of like when when you meet somebody who's, who's musical knowledge is so vast particularly of the 80s like my musical knowledge at that point was um was from that era but not so much 
not so much kind of the electronic kind of yeah. stuff really that was more your bag wasn't it yeah and I and sort well. of meeting Alan kind of really got me into that side of things really and I, I sort of discovered lots of music in the way that you do like that's how you sort of discover music really I think you know before mm. the internet you were just kind of like you'd meet someone you share you know someone would go here's a tape and that's what it was like then when it yeah, was yeah. like we were like passing tapes I used to, to do each your, other didn't and, I used to do your little CDs yeah like little <laughs> CDs and tapes and all, you know like it was my little girlfriend <laughs> 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 do you know what I mean so I, Sure. Music and, I, and a lot of a lot of kind of you know where I am now musically as well you know comes you know comes from that that time and learning about all that kind of mm. music which I didn't really know yeah. about and um, so you know and and loads of people that I met along the way you know what I mean you just kind of discover this music up. don't you yeah, and you just yeah. Things, yeah. that's that's kind of the way it is so like Tom Storby I didn't really know much about oh, until I met Alan really. Yeah. Um, and so it's it, yeah, it's interesting. It's kind of and of course know, all the stuff he produced with Prefab Sprout is just mm-hmm. mind blowing. Yeah, yeah, it is. Produc- yeah. I just love his production. <laughs> all his little noises. So as you're probably listening, as you're hearing Mulu songs, there's lots of little noises and accents yeah. to, to, you know, accent bits of things that Laura's singing about and stuff. And True. that's where it comes from. Yeah. Wow. You know, you, it, in Pussycat, there's tons of it in Pussycat. Oh. <laughs> Pussycat is the best. Um, Yeah, that's, you know, how important are these people in our lives, whether they're older siblings or college roommates or boyfriends or girlfriends? You know what I mean? These people that just kind of open your mind a little bit to something just outside of your purview. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was kind of, I was in like indie, like more indie bands before I met, met, um, before I met Alan and we did we did music, you know, I was I was kind of I, I my first band was when I was fourteen and I was it was much more guitar based and I was into kind of like Ten Thousand mm. Maniacs and people like that. Mm. They were kind of you know the Sundays and I was really into Bjork. Those kind of bands were kind of my sort of um, you know and Kate Bush and people you know all the kind of like I suppose quite traditional kind of female sort of singer songwriters and bands right. and you know you kind of you. you it's just really good. I mean, I, I just love, I love when I, when I discover a band, it's like my most favorite thing ever. And you just listen to it and listen to it. And... Like what we did with the BC Camp Light. <laughs> yeah, like it? BC Camp Light. There's an album it's, recently it's where new we just album's obsessed. Phenomenal. Yeah. And I introduced check him out, Laura to check him out. He's, I will. If Mulu's telling yeah. me to like something, then I gotta go listen. <laughs> yeah, amazing. He's well, not always right. He's, he's from America, <laughs> he's moved to Manchester and he's, uh, yeah. he's, he's superb. Like his new album's amazing, so you should have a look at it. It's called Deep okay. Blues. So you should have a listen. I will. I will. Now, mm-hmm. Laura, from everything, keep in mind, guys, I know so little about you. There's a skimpy little uh, Wikipedia page. There's an article <laughs> I found somewhere that now I can't find that I was that I read. And then that's that's there's not much else. And so from, from what I can gather, Laura, I believe, were you an actress or, or aspiring to be an actress or were you always going to be a musician? Um, well, I did my degree. I did a drama degree at Liverpool. That's how I came here. So I did a um, a BA honours in in drama. And then what happened was during that time I was doing it, I wasn't really. By the end of my degree, I was kind of getting a bit. I wasn't really into it. Do you know what I mean? And as soon as I finished my degree, I met I met Alan mm. um, quite quickly. Um, <laughs> but during that, but during that time, that whole time, like I said, like like I said before, I was in a band from the age of fourteen. I got my first manager when I was sixteen. Um, mm. There's a there's a place called the Boardwalk in Manchester, which is literally just next to the Hacienda. Um, he had he was managing bands like the Railway Children, a certain ratio. So he was my first mm. manager, a guy called Colin Sinclair. So I've been doing music really all the way through my degree. 
And as soon as I finished my degree, it was really weird. I was I was always kind of doing music during it, and I was just like, I'm not I'm not into the acting. I don't want to do it. So I I kind of just went down the musical the musical avenue, and that's what I did for years. And then weirdly got back into it around about the age of 36 again. I just started doing it again, and then mm. kind of everything just started. Yeah, yeah, I started doing oh, that again. I was in a I was in a play called The Quiet. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry, I lost. Which was about lost, a, which was about sorry. a guy who did who did sound from St. Helens. Oh, yeah, actually, amazing. it was really yeah, a brilliant yeah. story yeah, about yeah. someone. Sorry. The first guy to put kind of sound to movies, really, and he was from St. Helens in very near to Liverpool. So I, I, I got into this play, and, and there was lots of singing. In not I'm not into musical theatre at all, so I sort of got back into it. But yeah. I kind of go between. I mean, performance. I kind of go between. The two things. I mean, at the moment, I'm I'm doing um, I'm doing much more to do with like sound art. Really, I've just done a degree oh. at the Glasgow School of Art. I just finished that a year ago, like masters in sound for the moving image. So I've now started to get into more. I'm doing more sort of, sort of sound for film, and I'm doing kind of installation work, and um, yeah, I'm doing a bit more of that at the moment. So wow. I just I kind of just do. It's really weird. I, whatever the, my path takes me, in, I, I sort of go that way. Really, yeah, I can and tell. Along, and along the way, I've just been like I've been working with musicians like China Crisis, have you heard of them? Oh, of course. You worked with them? Yeah. I'm friends, they're just around yeah. the corner. Yeah. So really? I was, in yeah. A band, I was in a band with Gary Daly for about four years, and then um, in a band called Muddyhead, and then um, I've sang on, I've sang on quite, I've sang at quite a few of the gigs. Uh, the like one, one, I, I absolutely love wishful thinking, and my thing was always that like, album, didn't he, on tour? Yeah, yeah. I was always like, I'm gonna sing vocals. on this one. Like, I've done like a few gigs with Gary, and they're really good, good friends of ours. And, and, and Gary's really actually, about, he's actually about to release an album, his solo album, another one. So really? um, you should, yeah, you should get in touch. I'm sure he'd love. I to. have wanted to have him or them or whatever represented from them on here for uh, forever. And never oh, okay. to get it. oh, well, this is great. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I'd love that. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, okay, so Alan, let's give you a little time here. You, your career goes back, you know, I don't know how far. I'm guessing in the 90s. I know that from it's not really a tell- it was gone. It wasn't really a career. I just was messing around with keyboards and stuff. And then it's only since meeting Laura in '95. That I started to try and write songs. Could you remixing like Utah Saints and Owen oh, yeah. and stuff like that? He was after they used to come to Mulu gigs because they wanted to sign us initially oh. for uh, Paul has his own label and stuff. 
um, another shit in a brick experience. Cause yeah, I no kidding. The, you know what I mean? And um, so that came about afterwards. But the Utah Saints was before Mulu, mm-hmm. and so was the Bjork. In fact, I was doing Bjork when you turned up at yeah. mine, and yeah. we kicked the pl- plug and lost, lost everything. So, because <laughs> uh, it wasn't saved. But, oh, no. <laughs> but then it's just that, so Mulu was the very first band I've ever been in, really. And it's the very uh, first, my very first attempt at writing songs as as a musician. Yeah. So, yeah. And then we, we did, Laura came down in 95. We did, we did, we were really prolific, weren't we? We were just writing yeah. songs every day. And I think the first thing Laura's audition was, was Sync. Was it Sync? Yeah, it's on the album. That it's was on the album. album. Laura's audition, well, kind of thing. Really? She came, yeah, just on a four track. No and, way. So, what were the fruits? What were the first fruits? Because I, I mean, I've had the album ever since that day, so twenty-two years. What were the first fruits that made you guys realize we got something here? Were you writing, I don't know, Pussycat or Film thing. Star or whatever? Um, I think I think Sync was the first track, and we, we, Rainy we Days. Wrote, we wrote, yeah, Rainy well. Days was another one. Things better warmth in here. Hide under the cover, sleep away. All the bad things that have come from this rainy day. There was a lot of tracks, but there was a lot of tracks. But you know what it's like when you're writing, you're just kind of writing, you'd be, we were quite prolific. And then there was, there was kind of things when Desire and Film Star, mm. you know, that, that those three, when they were sort of, when they were written, um, we got, we, 
we sort of knew there was sort of <laughs> we were kind of on something, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I think to be honest with you, it's where we wrote so many tracks that when when we got a record deal and we had management and everything, they were kind of listening to all these tracks and we kind of knew which ones were the singles. Mm. But there was a lot of tracks that we didn't have on the album which we really loved. Um, Some got onto B sides. Yeah, but mm. you know, you know, it's like when you're getting A and R and everything, and they're like, mm. I think that's going to work and this is going to work. So, we there, don't was, like so that. there was a lot, a lot of tracks at that time because. It was very exciting, you know, when you sort of, when you meet someone of a, of a music, the same musical mind and you kind of write and it just becomes a very exciting period and everything happens so fast mm-hmm. that I think, um, yeah, it's, it, I mean, sometimes it's a bit of a blur. To, I mean, I, we talk about it sometimes. <laughs> it's actually a bit of a blur to me that whole time because everything uh-huh. happens so fast. Everything yeah. so, and, and I think as well in terms of the way that you looked after, I think, I think, and I, and I, I read about a lot of musicians now, and we know about this, that a lot of musicians, you know, when you've got a record deal, you're sort of looked after, but not looked after as well at the same time, that you're kind of, you're just kind mm. of thrown into this kind of limelight and thrown into this kind of world. And it's quite, it can be quite destructive and quite difficult and also brilliant at the same time, but it's a kind of a mixed bag of, of everything, really. Mm-hmm. You're kind of writing all these songs, you're being really creative, and then you then you step into the next stage of, the process don't mm. you and it becomes a different yeah. a different world then than the the kind of poetry and the the music that you're making in that initial stage when you first meet someone do you know yeah. what i mean I think sure you have to sell it best bit that's the best bit and that's yeah that's the bit you always kind of want to get back um but unfortunately you know sometimes the kind of the, the music industry kind of mm-hmm. can kind of knock it out of you a bit yeah i bet <laughs> i bet uh, yeah so Smiles Like a Shark um, was very indicative of the sort of trip hop movement or, you know, style that was very hot at the time. When you guys met and you're just in your little flat or whatever, writing these songs, Alan, you as as a production minded person, are you thinking of these songs and how they're going to fit in this new trip hop style? Or are you guys writing them down very scaled with like a, an acoustic guitar and a piano and that kind of thing. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not that organized. In fact, we oh. wrote songs in different buildings. Ah. <laughs> ah. We'd give Laura an instrumental piece of music, a backbone of pretty structured and stuff, kind of like laid out in, in verse, chorus, bridge, blah, blah, blah. And then Laura would come back with lyrics and then we'd she'd sing over the top on the four track. And then, um, and then I'd mess around again because obviously once Laura put her bit in, mm-hmm. I kind of got inspiration. Then and I kind of ex- you know expand it a bit more and add more to it and stuff. And then and then we chopped around and stuff. And then I'd give it back to Laura and then you do more stuff. And then it was that kind of stuff. It was just from building to building. And then um, it all just come together. And then it was it was really weird way of writing. Actually, we never we're not that. We don't write. I don't write that way. I I get inspiration from noises and uh, and everything started I, I from a noise and a drum. Do you know what I mean? We were classed as trip hop at that time. We were classed for which, which in, it I wasn't. Don't know it was an it was accident. Really. We weren't trying to be trip hop. It was, right. you know, we just did what we did. And I, you know, I'm influenced by a lot of easy listening music, and hence the strings and all that kind of stuff it's all you know i think i think what's interesting around about that time when you were when when you were a kind of musical duo which we were like this kind of you know electronic duo there was oh. lots of comparisons with trip-hop bands like yeah, yeah. And there, was, there, was, and there, was, there was a lot of trip-hop oh. bands around that time but things like you know 
um, are you like Port? He said, no, you're like... And, I, you know, when I listened to that album, I don't think we said anything like that. In I fact, our, our, our kind of... Our, our aesthetic was much more pop and much more... I mean... It, it's kind of easier on easier. It was It just wasn't in that... It just wasn't in that, that category at no. all. I really don't think it was. But I think, I think unfortunately, with, with a lot of journalists, they were just kind of bandying it in that, sure. in that, that way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. But that was a little... Frustrating for me, to be honest with I you. See that. Well, Portishead is probably the most successful of the bands coming out of that sort of vibe, I guess. But I, mm -hmm. you guys sound a lot more like Olive or Lamb or Dubstar or those kinds of... We did of a tour with Olive and we did a tour with Dubstar. You did? <laughs> We okay, did. that makes sense. Then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I think, I think even more with Dubstar, really. I think, yeah. I think we were definitely more with that aesthetic in terms of, yeah, like you know, we were, we were much more pop oriented. Yeah. I mean, it's really weird, isn't it, when you when you sort of try to describe what you do and the genre that you're in, because I think we we, we sort of crossed over lots and lots of different genres. Mm -hmm. But I think we were we were more of that ilk. I think, yeah. I don't, you yeah. know, I do. Okay, I have to, <laughs> I have to ask: Were you two ever a couple? Are no. you still a couple? No, we've never no. been a couple. We're best friends. We're best we, we friends. We live around the corner from each other. So Alan lives like literally two minutes, two, two minutes away. Two minute walk. But no, we've never <laughs> ever been a couple. No. But the okay. illustrations actually suggest that. Don't you? <laughs> no, uh, I'm, I'm, the... I've been engaged for 14 years with, a, with a, another gentleman. <laughs> another yeah. gentleman. Okay. okay. In fact, someone I do music with actually is another guy I do. Um, we do is he in China crisis? Just kidding. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Okay. We were in a, uh, we did a, a project called Legends of Flight, so you can. Uh, I don't know if you've okay. got. Have you seen that? I don't is think it... so. No, I did find something on when I was trying to find information. Something friend or foe? Yeah, so friend or foe. We do like loads and loads of like events, but there's an album. We did an album, so I'll have to send you a link to it because we, re we released. Yeah, we released an album, so I'll send that to you. Okay. So um, yeah, okay. that that was recorded here. I've got a studio upstairs in the flat. Um, and yeah, that was recorded here. Great. So, okay. Yeah. So, but okay. I've done, and also, I, sh I should say some more stuff because I do a lot more of the production side of things now. I've sort of, I've started to. Well, for the last few years, I've been like writing, doing more of the writing, i.e., sort of the whole thing. So I should send you some stuff, really. Please, I'd love it. I've, yeah. I've, like I said, I've always been curious about more from the two of you. And uh, more, you know, that I, I bought Mulu and then that's all I knew. Now, I got to, you're in, were you managed by Pete Byrne? And are we talking about the Pete Byrne from Nick no. Eyes? No, it's, no. We are man we were managed by Pete Byrne, but not the Pete Byrne, Dead or Alive. <laughs> well, there's <laughs> we, Pete Byrne from Dead or Alive and then there's Pete Byrne from Naked Eyes. I love Naked Eyes and it's not too. him neither. I'm obsessed oh, okay. with Naked Eyes. <laughs> but weirdly, Pete Byrne, our manager, he now manages Echo and the Bunny Man and the, and the farm. Did so, he? Yeah, he manages the farm now. So he, he's kind of a, he, yeah, he manages right from the start, and, but he kind of does now more sort of, mm. yeah. We, okay. For a very short while, we were re represented by Kurt Smith in the US. Oh. He lived in New York. So yeah. Um, now he lives in LA, but. We, okay. we another shit the brick experience. Oh, no, yeah, no kidding. It appears that you like people that you grew up <laughs> listening to. It's like shit. Oh, I know. That's why when I saw the Pete Byrne thing, I thought no way. Because <laughs> I love Naked. I love D, D, uh, Dead, or, Dead or Alive as well. But Naked Eyes especially. Two albums. Do only had two albums out. Is that right? Burn and Bridge. Uh, yeah, uh, two at yeah. the time, and then 
They've oh, yeah. a couple more since then, I think. Ocean just unbelievable. Yeah, he's the best. Um, <laughs> okay, so what was that like? I mean, one of the things that I always find so interesting on here are transitions in people's life. You guys go from, you know, tinkling with music in Alan's apartment or wherever you're doing it, and then you get a, a record label deal and the the record comes out and you're hearing, I think Filmstar was the first single off the album. And no, no, me, no, it was designed. released in 1996 and again in 98 oh. so it was released twice okay okay so yeah. what what is how is your life changing you know are you i don't know if you were big enough to reap financial rewards but are you at least meeting your heroes and playing shows with people you like and crowds coming to see you and all that kind of stuff yeah well, we did do yeah, yeah of course yeah well, we I mean, did. If, you, if you talk if you talk about um Okay, Kurt Smith, for example. So yeah. when, we, when we went to America and he was like, we, I want a manager. And then OMD wanted to sign us. Um, I mean, those those kind of those kind of occasions are really, they're a little bit mad. And then we, we got, I got to sing with um, Sparks as well. Yeah, we, Dave, we did it with the Sparks yeah, for the second so album. That was really good. So there's, there's things like that that are really, I suppose you don't really get the opportunity when you're... Yeah. <laughs> When no, exactly. Signed. Yeah. So exactly. you know, it was really, it was really brilliant. You know, I mean, we Gary... were and you know, and I was seeing, I was seeing part of the world, and all those things are really, you yeah. know, for a musician, a young musician, it's a, it's the most amazing thing. You know, it really is. You just kind of, and also like financially, I guess. I mean, then you actually got, a, you got an advance. You know, in a different way than you have to do now. And and actually, I think nowadays you've really got to be like a full package before you even get a deal. You need to have everything yeah. sorted. It feels like that, doesn't it? Whereas then, I guess you you did your demo, you did all that. But the thing, what you know, you had like a marketing department. You had people doing all them bits. Whereas sure. now, I feel like you've got to do. You have to do that yourself, really, to a degree. Mm -hmm. It feels like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But no, it's amazing. But I mean, in terms of financial, yeah, you know, we got, we got, but we were, ve we were very, very, our manager was very prudent with the way that, it, that the, the money was kind of given to us in the sense that, you know, we gave ourselves a wage every week and we were quite, <laughs> you know, yeah. we weren't, we weren't like, let's blow it and let's do, you of know, course. We, but we, we did blow it. We did blow yeah, some we of it when we were recording yeah. at the time in London. But that, but the money went, to, the money went to like buying, like, you know, like when you buy, um, for example, like a sampler. A sampler back then mm. was like for, say, like four, four, four grand. Whereas now you can't even, you know, you can get one for fifty quid. You know, right. so a lot of our money went and buying equipment to yeah. to mix yeah. the and record the the stuff. Yeah. 
Mm. It's interesting you say that because I ask that question to a lot of people. I'm always curious, you know, do they go buy a new car? Do they go have a big meal? Do they go get drunk? Do they buy, what do they do? You know? <laughs> and uh, most of the people I talk to say they go and buy gear. Yeah, that's, that's they wanted we gear for their album. We, we spent about ten thousand pounds on equipment. <laughs> Just yeah. keep. Yeah. Um, so we we both got like we both got samples. We both got keyboards. We got we got a foot. We got an ADAP. We got, uh, uh, mixing. Uh, oh, another yeah. record company bought us that, didn't they? Yeah. So, so we yeah. we just we did do that because that's that's your. A lot of them buy property. Water, a lot of people buy property. Well, oh, I could see nah. that. <laughs> a friend of ours bought. They had a hit in the eighties. The Lotus Eaters. Do you know the Lotus Eaters? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, they bought a house around the corner for £10,000 when they had a hit with First Picture of You. Yes. And he sold, and then he converted it into four flats. Are you, are you allowed to say this? Uh, am I allowed to say this? I don't know. You can't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. If you find out you're not, yeah. tell fine, me. But this fine. is fascinating. No, it's fine. It's just stupid. Um, and they sold each flat for about £220,000. Oh, that's you know, the way to do it. it. <laughs> See, that kind, of, that kind of shit I would have liked to have done, do you know what I mean? I yeah. did you can, you, I mean, you can do, you know, people do, you can be quite savvy with your money, can't you? Do you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah, it's just what mm, we were. That is great. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. I we, talked with we uh, rubber chairs and stuff, do we? Yeah, we <laughs> rubber chairs. Rubber chairs. <laughs> rubber chairs. Oh my crap. God. Just, just junk. Yeah. It's yeah. too much money, not enough sense. I, uh, I chatted with Marco Peroni recently from Adam. I, I listened yeah. to that one as well. Oh, you do? oh my gosh. This is mind-blowing <laughs> to me. Um, I like but, Susie and the Banshees. Oh, I love them too, yes. Uh, but Marco, well, you know, Marco was saying, you want to know what rock stars talk about when they get together. They talk about the money. Where property, are you putting yeah. your money? What property are you buying? Yeah. What yeah. interest rates? All those kinds of things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Alan, tell me a Kurt Smith story because tears for fears are you know like a top five all time for me he's I mean, a dream I guest a lot of time talking to him didn't i and yeah. you know i oh god i just remember him moaning about roland all the time really <laughs> oh, oh, <man. laughs> did i say that well i don't know to you. look laura's giving me vicious looks here John. <laughs> that's maybe something you can't publish between oh, you that's and Laura stuff. i mean that's kind of well no. known isn't it? yeah it's well yeah, especially so back then he said that was he the was worst time of his life. Yeah, he was moaning about him. And he was moaning about recording that album. He said we just didn't speak. And, you know, yeah, we just, did. you know, I think he'd be fine with that. I think it's it's in the media. It's I mean, yeah. yeah, back in the 90s, they weren't together. Everyone knew that they, you know, were at they're, each other at that time. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he'd tell me you'd see them in the streets in Bath and they just ignored each other and just walked past each other. Do you know what I mean? It'd come to that. I can't, so, I can't imagine it. That is so weird. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it was really weird. It was weird. He used to come to the gigs. And so we did a gig in New York with Beth Orton. Oh, yeah, sure. Because we, like, we did a tour with Beth Orton also. And um, that was amazing. And trailer Kevin Park. Were in the audience I loved Trailer Park. Just worked with them. Yeah. Uh, she was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And huh. um, we, uh, he came to Paris when we did some radio thing in Paris. So we've done a lot. Of, we've done a lot of stuff in Europe and stuff. I think that was the only American thing we did was the New York gig, and we did a lot of promotion and stuff. But um, really? it's kind of like they were just trying to wean us into America, and that's where yeah. Kerr came in, and he was trying to have influence over our sound for the second album. So you know, so it would be like kind of fitting in and stuff. But the the stuff we did for the second album is quite quite strange. I would say it was a bit more progressive from Smells Like a Shark. But really? um, we did two duets, one with Clint Boone, 
who's from Inspiro Carpets. Oh, sure. Uh, He's a good friend of ours. (laughs) Uh, We did um, one with uh, Russell Mayo from the Sparks. Yeah. We had friends from lots of bands playing it. Like, do you remember a band, It's a Material? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Alan, every time you name drop one of these, I'm just like, what? I started salivating. Sorry. Uh, Well... (laughs) Well, you know what? He just sang on a uh, Gary Daly from Janet. He Christ, just sang on a, yeah on really? a certain album, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's John, really good. You'll find it on YouTube, actually, John. It's called okay. Castle of. Just know. type in Gary Daly. You'll okay. you just yeah, to the page. It's really nice. It's really cool. But anyway, That's yeah. Amazing. So Jarvis, the guitarist, he did some guitars on some Mulu tracks. Uh, Paul King from. Do you remember? Uh, yes. Oh, Stone. Paul King. I have been. Trying sure. to get Paul King on here for years. He does all the guitars on the second album for Moon. He's a good friend of he ours. Does? And he does backing vocals as well. Yeah, we're yeah. talking Paul King from King, right? Uh, Not from King. Pride? No, 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 no. Oh god. Oh, yeah, you're thinking, but I love King as well. Steps in yes. Town, fantastic yes. album. So it's yes. bittersweet. Um, unbelievable albums. Um, yes. But not Paul King. Not Deep Paul oh, King. Okay. Center Stroke, singer of King. Um, no, Paul King spelled with an O, P-O-R-L. And he's oh. the singer of a, a goth band from the 80s called Rosetta Stone. But we also had Jerry from the Lotus Eaters do guitars as well. Um, Richard Houston from the Raw Band. Uh, yes. oh he did guitars on a song called Into a Man for the second album. We where, just got where second album? I, I don't know. Did it ever on come that. out? <laughs> on that, yeah. In my drawer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You do upload these things. I don't know whether you visited that link, John, that I'd sent to you, but it does work. Laura said it didn't, but oh, I proved right. to her the other day it did. All right, so it's just the one. <laughs> okay, okay. And it's the demos, and I, I occasionally up, upload demos and stuff, and we did cover versions of Sunday Girl, which is on only released in the US oh. on a Blondie album. Not a favorite Blondie track, but it's the one we got right, offered. Cover versions like my fire, the doors. Our version's much better. I mean, we did it. We did a lot. <laughs> we have done a lot. We've done tons of stuff. We only realise now, don't we? Yeah, and, keep I, and I think what happened was, I mean, we we, we sort of the deal kind of came to an end. We, we moved from deconstruction to dedicated records, and um, no. Sorry, Sorry, John, I said around. this with that, didn't I? So, so de- from dedicated <laughs> to deconstruction. Well, it was all under the umbrella of yeah. BMG. And, it's, just, it's still yeah. the same. It was the same company, but we, we sort of moved to them. And then what what sort of happened is when you change your A&R, man, it's a shame, really, because 
you've kind of been nurtured by that A&R man and then we got a new A&R man and he didn't really sort he of He really understand. didn't get us, did he? Yeah, yeah didn't so, get so there was us and Spiritualized. And, um, I just saw Spiritualized in concert last night. Oh, oh really? really? Okay. Yeah. That? Crazy. Oh, my gosh. Oh, they were brilliant, weren't they? Yeah, they sure were. Yeah. Oh, um, John, you are such a mu- like music you fan, are you? Music fan. Right? I, know. I, know. I could be in your ears for hours. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. can just, yeah, forget the interview. Let's just chat about all these bands we love. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, so what then, I mean, what happens when you, you have the second album ready to go and it doesn't come out? I mean, it's so strange talking to you about all this because I assumed Mulu was this one thing that happened briefly and was over in no time. But you guys make it sound like it's it's got a tail that extends much longer, even though there's not albums proving that this tail exists, you know? Yeah. No, it is because I think what happened was when I was younger, I used to think in my head, I was kind of thinking, this is only a short term thing. And I don't know why I thought that. Maybe that's a kind of like a media construct that in your head you start to think about. You're just kind of like, oh, this is only going to be this. And this is, it's just one album or two albums. And, you know, I can't imagine doing this in my 30s. And what's actually happened is for me, like I've just carried on like being creative in lots of different ways, just kind of moving in. And just right. sort of different, just kind of just the journey of like that is it's gone on a it sounds a bit wonky, doesn't it? But I just mean <laughs> I just mean like it's not it's not you know I haven't st- I, I haven't stopped doing that and I won't stop doing that and it just keeps changing and I, and I, and I yeah. sort of you know I, I still write music I still perform I still do them things um, it's just not in the same way as you did them in the nineties you know what I mean it's not the yeah. same here's an album deal, Hit, release your album, do that. It's kind of different now. So I still write a lot. I'm constantly writing. That's all I've ever done. It's just that I do, um, I've started to do kind of like, I mean, stupidly in some ways, but kind of like one, like one-off performances. So I write like almost mm. like a whole album for each performance. And then um, that's it. <laughs> yeah. And then I don't release it. It's a bit daft, really. It's okay. Got, you don't <laughs> even record it, Laura. You just... Yeah. So that's, that's yeah, kind of where I, that's crazy. what's happened. But... I think it's I think it's funny because um yeah I think I think record deals can be really good and really destructive as well it's it's yeah. odd it's a, I've got mm. a really I've got a really odd relationship with the music industry that's how I think Yeah I do yeah. It's, uh, it's so interesting you say this because I've I've mentioned this before but I find that I approach most of these interviews with me I'm a regular guy I'm not a musician and so my assumption is always that being a rock star is the top of the heap that's what we want more than anything. And so every decision. That's fine. Yeah, that's why I wanted. I was good to well, say. That's, so that's what, okay. So then my thinking is like, well, then every decision uh, gets us for closer and closer to that peak. But when you say these things, Laura, it makes it sound like I didn't really care. It's not that big of a deal if I put out an album or I don't or uh, I don't miss it or anything. Yeah, I don't feel like that. No, at the time, I was really like pretty devastated after it all when it all ended. I was a bit kind of like, what do I do now? And I think probably quite a lot of musicians would say that because a lot of musicians have been in that position. But then what you what you've got to realise is that it's not the be all and end all, and and you and that you are. What you've got to remember is where you started off, and where you started off was you start you start writing music and you do it from from a place which is about what what you know you love it and you're you're doing it for that reason. It's all these ideas and all your creativity and everything, and you've just got to kind of go back to that and kind of get rid of the bullshit attached to the the to the industry really. And that's not to say we had a good we had a relatively good experience. It's just that <clears throat> I think. Um, 
Yeah, I, I don't think it's the be all and end all. I've got to yeah. be honest. And I've said that to lots of people I know. Who are in, you know, there's, there's a lot more out there and there's a lot more to do with living your life than just that. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds a bit depressing, doesn't it? <laughs> no, that's, that's a really healthy perspective. Alan, would you agree? Are you okay with where you stand? In the music I think I've business? always been like that, actually. I've always had that outlook, haven't I? I've never been as hungry as, well, sorry, Laura. As you just said yourself, you yeah. were hungry in the, in the early yeah. days. I never was. I just wanted to stay in my room I mess with keyboards and computers. Yeah. I didn't want to be in pop videos. I didn't want to be in photographs. I didn't want to do things like this. I didn't want to do TV. But, yeah. Yeah. but then you but were I really did. good when you did it. Like, I wasn't. I'm really shit. Was really, really, I, I'm shit now like as really well. I'm really shy. No, you're not. <laughs> like, he's really photogenic. And, like, really, really and, not. and we were just... I don't know. It's a really weird thing, isn't it? I think people used to think, like... I don't know. We, were, we, we, were, a bit, we were a bit kind of, like... We were quite sort of insular with each other, weren't we? Yeah. You know what I, mean? I think we were a bit like that with each other, a bit kind of. Laura's like... quite, as you as you can notice, Laura's quite forthright and uh -huh. strong woman. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, quite loud. I'm That's quite great. shy, so yeah. we trust. <laughs> yeah. But I remember when we did the Roxy Bar, we did we did Pussycat and film star at the Roxy Bar, or was it Desire? I can't remember. And um, the guy, I thought he was going to go over and start talking to Laura. Do you remember this, Laura? And yeah, and, it's, it's, and then it came straight to me. Oh. Fucking hell. I, I just literally died on the spot. My manager was watching it later, and he said it was like a, a rabbit caught in the headlights. I was just uh -huh. like, so that's, that's, I'm not, I don't like all that side of it. Yeah. Rather yeah. just be in a studio, do that, and that's it. But you have you know to I mean? be, I mean, the thing about it is, it's, it's, it's interesting because I've just, I've just been doing this, um, just been commissioned to do this thing in Manchester and I, and I did a gig recently with another musician from Finland and, um, and it was a better life performance and we wrote some music we did we wrote 30 minutes of music and um, and part of that whole experience was kind of like it's about it was it was called it's both sides and now it's called and it's this company called Brighter mm. Sounds and then it's about kind of pushing female musicians, musicians and producers yeah. and um, producers and and I, and I found it really inspiring to be honest with you. It was really brilliant to be part of that. But part of that is, is, is kind of really pushing yourself and trying to kind of, you know, go, I'm here and I'm, you know, I'm a, you know, I can do this and, and, and being kind of like quite, quite sort of positive about yourself. And sometimes yeah. I struggle with, I, I've always sort of struggled with that really as a, you know, I've always struggled with it. I don't know why, but I've always been a bit funny about kind of going, "Hey, I'm brilliant. I'm this. I'm that." Right, right. And 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 I, and, it, and this commission was interesting because it kind of it was kind of asking me to do that in a way, um, and kind of celebrate, you know, celebrate writing and celebrate, you know, the things that you can do with another musician from Europe and yeah. Um, and I think it's important to remember that it's important to be kind of positive about it. And yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. I've said <laughs> no, that makes sense. Yeah. So let me just, I'm going to ask you point blank, Alan. Have you been able to make a living as a, in music somewhere all of this time? Initially, when we were doing Mulu, um, maybe for the first four or five years, and then I had to get a daytime job because okay. the royalties are, are, are each quarter, so they're every three months. And obviously... As years go by, the royalties aren't as big as or, or as great as they used to be back in 97, 98. So we still get royalties now even. Really? Okay. not enough to live off. Yeah. Oh, so I've got a daytime job now, which takes... What is your daytime job? I'm a buyer for the NHS. Are you really? 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the most boring thing in the world. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. I know. Believe me, I know boring <laughs> no, jobs. I, I hear you. It's, a, it's mundane. It's, you know, it's a daily thing. It's just a grand Well, I mean, I, I keep saying to what I mean, the thing is, Val, like, he's written so many things. He's, yeah. he's, he's got so many things on the go. It's kind of just getting back into doing it, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's quite hard, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? And, and I'm converting from the old... 90s kind of Atari sequences and uh-huh. and you know hard gear you know hardware we used to, everything was hardware everyone was samples back in the 90s with Mulu and stuff so now I'm trying to put all that in the attic and I'm now trying to get my head around this new program so once we've sorted that out then I'm I can be a bit more and I'll, prolific. I'll be teaching him Ableton. She's going to teach me Ableton, isn't that really? Good? <laughs> I used to I teach do. Laura Sampler. Now that's great oh that's great well tell me look i i'm beginning to since i've been since i started this podcast four years ago i'm beginning to relate to the feeling of wishing that your your driving purpose the thing that you could do all day was be creative and the inability financially to do that because you can't sustain a life and i'm curious alan if you feel that way Sometimes. Mm, I couldn't give up my job to to solely do that daily, but I, you know, it's something I can just dip my toe into these yeah. days. Do you know what I mean? Are you satisfied with the, where your life is at in terms of I go to a normal job and I pay my bills that way and it's okay and I get to be creative well, on the side with music and that's okay too? I kind of do it. I haven't done music for a long time. I'm quite oh, really? I'm really lazy. Um, I think the last thing was Shirley Bassett, the, the the remix thing, but but it's I need to get back into it because I think about it daily, John. Do you yeah, know what I mean? So it's yeah. always gonna be there. It's always there. I'm always thinking of wanting to do things. I'm always um, inspired by what's around me, and it's always giving me new ideas and kind of mm-hmm. you know want me to do stuff. And I make notes all the time of things I want to sample yeah, <laughs> and, and use for production and stuff. But I'm just like really hard for me at the moment to like try and like yeah. turn the machines on and get into it because I'm I'm using a total different new way of doing music and so it's mm-hmm. a bit alien to me at yeah. the moment. So yeah. to get my head around that and get oh faith, yeah. I you know get up to speed with that and I, I'm sure that once I do that, I'll just be like a maniac and have about yeah. you'll be sorry, you'll be sorry. <laughs> double albums <laughs> every week. Like, I'll be like. <laughs> Where, where is, I know. I think. I think the thing is, you can go down two avenues. You can either like I. I. T- I. I trained as a teacher for a little while, and then I. And then I stopped quite quickly when I realised that it was just going to take over my life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. So, and I mean, for me, it's kind of like I have to. I have to do something. I have to do something Some creative. I have yeah. to. Yeah. I mean, I I'm not really. I can't really exist really with it. And I know that's what I've noticed. Be, if it, I mean, and actually, I do. I do. You know, when I'm skinned, I do whatever job I need to do, whatever. Sure. But I think, but I have to have something creative in my life. I was going to say. Yeah. No, I was going to say. No, like, I was going to say something really stupid <laughs> and joking. But I mean, I, as long as I, I need to be doing something creative, yeah. I have to do because that's how I. That's how I exist. That's what makes me happy, even yeah. though sometimes it's tough and. Yeah. Uh, but you, you, you're around artists all the time, though, Laura. Do you know what I mean? I'm not really in an environment where I'm inspired to go home and write a song because right. t- I work with totally different people from a different kind of, you know what I mean? Not artistic yeah. people and stuff. So I'm not really. But sometimes when I'm, I meet up with Laura and stuff, and we, you know, mutual friends and stuff, it kind of like 
inspiration will come from that. And when you do your recent shows and stuff, it's inspiration. And we've been quite inspiring. Yeah. And we've talked about doing new Mulu stuff. So mm-hmm. that, that's it. It seems like, Laura, you've just, uh, any kind of impulse you've had to learn a new thing, to try something new creatively, you just go for it. You don't, you just do it, it seems yeah. like. I think so, yeah. Yeah. But that yeah. sounds a bit cheesy. No, no, but I have, It does sound a bit like that. Sorry, I don't mean to say it like that. No, I guess so. If I, can aff- if I can afford to do it and, and actually live and do it, yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah, okay. Because, I mean, I haven't got kids. And the thing is, I haven't True. got kids. And so, like, I think the decision you was... Once I knew, oh, yeah, I've got a dog now. But right. once I knew I wasn't having kids, I think it was almost kind of like... Not that not that when you've got kids, that may, that means that you change anything. But I think almost kind of like when I got into my 40s, I was priority. kind of like, actually, I can do... I can, I can do those. I can go on residences. I can go to Iceland for three months. I can go and do these things that maybe yeah. wouldn't be as easy for you to do if you had children, you know? So I was kind of like... I sort of went, okay, so out of this has come a really positive thing in the sense that I can go and experience these things and actually do some something, you know what I mean? Yeah, so sure. it's kind of, out, that's, how I, that's how I've looked at it really. So um, okay. okay, it makes sense. Tell me your favorite, I'm a, each of you individually, tell me your favorite story from back in the day, back in the Mulu days. Was it a show you played? Was it meeting somebody? Was it hearing it on the radio what was it shit oh my god because <laughs> you had a moment there you know what i mean you know what you know what was really for me what was really good was um i remember when when i signed the record deal and i remember getting on the train getting, getting on the tube actually with alan and my manager afterwards and i remember being really kind of moved by the sort of moved by the experience in the sense that i was I and mean, this is only what this is only one of them just because God, I'm trying to think. I was just really, I was really made up to have uh, managed to get there because at that point it felt really special to have, have signed a record deal. It felt like a really big deal. Do you know what I mean? I don't, yeah. I don't feel like that now. Although it would be, it would be amazing to do that now. But I, I was really, I was kind of like, wow, that's. I was really, we'd worked really hard, and I remember just kind of, just feeling really fucking like amazing and fucking. Yeah absolutely massively jubilant like just i couldn't yeah. like i just felt like my, I, I, my dream had arrived do you know what i mean i was, I sure. was kind of, uh, yeah okay that's I, that's, yeah. that's exactly what i wanted to know alan what about you i haven't got a clue i just really i'm too late but i think meeting people that i've kind of listened to in our, in our, our, our album launch we did in london and we did it in the um aqua- yeah, london aquarium, aquarium because and it's sharks aquarium and we went we went house afterwards and, and alan oh chris Lowe. yeah yeah and oh I was, really <laughs> Yeah, we were. I, we were. I was talking about the chords in West End Girls. <laughs> <And> I remember, <laughs> the string chords. I think with Alan, like a nerd. They're the things yeah. that really. I love shit like that. And, yeah. And, and, yeah. I thought it was mind blowing to find out that Elton John bought our album oh, ten yeah. times. Oh. Yeah. Seven times. <laughs> Seven. That is great. Each one of his houses. Yes. And um, that was a bit mind blowing. I think I talked to actually Chris Lowe about Elton John. Yeah. And Liza Minnelli. In the, you know, in the days uh, when you had to buy CDs. Of course. So, but he bought a CD for all for each, each of one of his houses. house. So I've he heard that. <laughs> yeah, Isn't that, that was really fucking crazy. He did ask way. us to do a tour, John, and we refused. Why? Because Elton John really, and we're idiots. But I don't think <laughs> Elton, I don't think Elton John's audience would have really got. <laughs> we would have freaked out. So, 
I don't know. We're different life. We're, we're good. Oh, life. John, have you ever been to Liverpool? You never no, been to Liverpool? Uh-uh. Oh, you no. Home? I would love to. Are you kidding? Yeah, I, like I said, I used to live in Cambridge. You what? Say again. I, oh, I, I, I don't think I mentioned that to you. Maybe it was with Ian Burden. I used to live in Cambridge. Oh, really? Yeah, in 1991, we lived there. My family lived there for almost a year. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Was that a college thing? It was right after I graduated from high school ah. in America. So I did go to sixth form college there for a little while. And then I determined I was going to move back to the States. So I didn't stick with it. But I was there for a year. And that was as an as an Anglophile, as you can imagine, someone like me. And this is pre-internet and all this kind of stuff. So it's not readily, easily available. I was just a nut for, you know, <laughs> Q, Ma- Q Magazine and HMV and, you know... Being able to buy a, wow. a Blow Monkeys album or a Fun Boy 3 album anytime I wanted. You could never do that in the States. You know what I mean? Is it is your, you know, John, is your, because you just mentioned all them bands there. Is that your, are you really like an 80s kind of head or you like, you yeah. just, is that your kind of style of music? Pretty much, like? yeah. I mean, I listen to everything I and I love everything, but my, my core is really 80s alternative. Yeah. yeah. Especially British. Yeah. Wow. That's how that's Alan's really. And yeah, I'm, I know. It's sort of mine, really. And that, you is know, it? you find that when you you start when you join a Liverpool is quite small, so when you join a band, you get to know them as well, which is yeah. fucking it freaks me out. And then you get to work with them as well. So that's the biggest thing. I think the thing is going back to your question: mind, yeah. when you yeah. meet people and when you're working with like amazing, like you know, like amazing artists that are just, I don't know, mm. like when you when you get into record with people and people are helping you and you know, just kind of writing songs with yeah. people that, like, for example, the Inspiral Carpets, we wrote That's a song cool. with, with Clint, with Clint Bean, and he he basically sang on a song that Alan and I wrote, and uh, and even now, like, I listen to it, I'm it's just like, wow, really it, cool. just, it just feels yeah. really, mm-hmm. it feels so, like, right, you know what I mean? You know, yeah, I do. <laughs> at a certain time, at a certain time in, I don't know, in yeah. your life, or whatever it is, or those things kind of gel together, they work. Yeah that particular time and I think that's I think that's a that's all music I think mm. that's all creative things sure I is. think it's sometimes me and Alan met in 1995 Five. and then Ooh. I was like that 94 like, but you know what I mean and there's and, and you meet if we, we met now like those songs wouldn't be written do you know what I mean we wrote them yeah. then at the time because of that who we were and everything mm. else and that's the thing isn't it so nuts at that that's the way it works isn't it yeah yeah it's yeah. just a bit bonkers it is it is bonkers <laughs> i don't know it's a bit nuts yeah yeah uh, i wanted to ask you specifically because we're going to sprinkle in snippets of the songs we talk about stuff like that um i was actually i was reading a review someone left of the album on amazon and this person mentions i've never known how to say it dio wharf dio wharf what is yeah. that
made of crazy word. Oh, yeah, okay. It's just, <laughs> oh, it's, just, it's just like a really weird <laughs> word that I just that I just okay. kind of like. I think I think when I was like at that time, I was I was kind of playing I was sort of playing with words a little bit and just kind of like thinking it thinking think yeah sort of making them up and I was okay yeah and it was just okay it's a made up word really okay. That's okay, well, they uh, they heard that song at the end of a movie called Two Seconds. Oh, Something really? About a bike, a French-Canadian movie about a bike messenger called Two Seconds, and that song plays over the closing credits. Do you really? know anything about this? I've got no idea. That's the first <laughs> I've heard of it. Really? When was that? Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know. I've never heard of the movie or anything. It's just this comment on Amazon mentioned it. <laughs> That's so, well, thanks for telling us, John. We're going to check sure. that out now and get our PRS. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Make sure that's a line item on your royalty statement, right? <laughs> no, you know, you know what Deo means? Deo is like, oh, it's like godly. It's like a godly. Uh -huh. It's the idea of like a godly being, you know, that everything, it encompasses everything, that it just completely like, like, yeah, it's all sort of okay. powerful. Yeah. Okay. Bogdash film, by the way. So deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah I knew Bogdash right. French film using it. I was trying to buy the year DVD, but sorry, John, we're just sorry. No, that's great. This is good. I'm rude. <laughs> no, that's good. You, so you knew about that, okay, Alan? I um, did. I did. I'm a nerd. I actually look for these things. So good. Okay. I find it funny. <laughs> um, now tell me about the. I got to know about the creation of Pussycat because it's one of my favorite songs ever. Um, how'd you write it? What? What? Any kind of little bit of color or bits of trivia about the creation of that song? I would love it. I'm trying to think. Oh shit! Um, well, the title comes from a cat called Oscar. Um, to be honest with you, this is the truth, and it might be a bit depressing. This, but <laughs> Al came up with the title, and and then I just kind of went with it. We don't so, always keep the titles, though, yeah, John. Laura does sometimes change them, I'm... but I have to have a working title. Um, so Desire used to be called. Oh no, Rainy Days used to be called El Diablo. But no, when rainy days, it came from when you did your lyrics and stuff. But you're going to talk about your, the, I don't know how Pussycat, it started with the strings. Yeah. Okay. It started with the strings over the drum beat. And then um, I sampled a few weird sounds and stuff. I'm not okay. going to say where from, but <laughs> then they just created into percussion. And it's a happy accident. It was not meant. We didn't sit down and think we're going to write a pop song. It just, you know, that's how we do everything. It just comes from feeling the okay. mood, what you're doing and stuff. It's just what it is. And lyrically, okay. it's, lyrically about, it's yeah. about the dark side of life, really. Oof. Even though it's such a happy song. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Okay. And there's the hidden version at the very end of the album um, that uh, is a slightly different mix.
No, all that is, John, it's my fault that I'm a nerd again. <laughs> what we tend to do is, at the end of recording a song, I always ask for different versions. So all I do is switch off tracks. Uh-huh. So always with that, with that particular version, I wanted a reprise version. Going back to the 80s where they always used to use reprise versions mm-hmm. on, on the end of albums, like Depeche Mode, where they did Everything Counts, they did a reprise version. Uh-huh. Oh, Strange Love it was. On Music for the Masses, they did That's a reprise right. version of it at the end. And it's, it was a hidden track. So I wanted to be like that. I wanted to be like that. So um, we just turned off lots of tracks, and the only thing we left was the uh, the keyboard, um, oh. incidental keyboard stuff, and Laura's vocal. Okay. So we just said, I just we just suggested to the A and R guy, why don't we use it as a secret track? Wow. So that's how it ends up on the end. That's what it okay. is. It's okay. just a. But I, I do that anyway, and I, I always do that. I did it with Filmstar as well, but that never really got out there. Mm. Um, um, things on that. Is there any organic instrumentation on this album? Because there's, you know, you'll hear a guitar and some percussion. <laughs> yeah, it's a real guitar. Say, yeah, my boys. <laughs> well, yeah, but... No, the, right. the guitar is a friend of ours called Calvin, who used to play with the Blue Aeroplanes. Ooh, Blue Aeroplanes. Blue Aeroplanes. I sure, yeah. All oh, right, yes. okay. Uh, he's a big fan of the Blue Airplanes, and he used to play with them as well. So that kicked his ass. But he, I again, same way I worked with Laura, I used to give him an instrumental version. This is once Laura's vocal's been put on the track, he used to then get the track and work up a guitar style. Sometimes we'd sample the guitar because he was a, kind of a messy player. Okay. Say that, Laura's no, looking I at me. I don't know who he was. I think, I think he was just sitting by No, he was. Because yeah. uh, I and then we'd sample things and then we'd change it around a little bit and stuff. But yeah, he was an amazing guitarist. And okay. I don't know whether you ever got to hear the B-sides of any of the Mulu singles. No, I just we, bought the album. Used, well, what happened was the B-sides have got an acoustic song, which is totally out of character uh. for us. Um, and it's just Laura and an acoustic guitar and the three-minute pop songs that were written in half an hour uh-huh. or maybe an hour, maybe longer, sorry, Laura, uh-huh. uh, for the the sake of the B-side. They were purposely written for the B-sides and uh-huh. they're absolutely amazing. That sounds I lovely. Link, i got to get those, I please. Link to them. And, we, and really weird songs as well. But, yeah, so okay. we are quite organic, actually. We got more organic on the second album than the first album. A lot of the first albums just samplers and keyboards with exceptions yeah. to the guitars. But okay. then the only organic thing is Laura's vocal and the guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Great yeah, vocal. And, and also we have like a trumpet player. Oh, we had it. Yeah, oh. only live though, wasn't it? Oh, we, had, we, no, re- Desire, then, oh, then we reissued Desire. I don't know if you know. We, when we reissued Desire, it had been released in 96 and then we'd, we reissued it in 98 and we had a trumpet player come in and play trumpet on it. Yeah. yeah. And huh. I learned extra back and vocal. So it was called Desire 2, T-double-O. And yeah. that's how it was released. So there's a CD single of it called Desire 2. And the trumpet plays from just to be musical nerdy.
They used to stuff as super furry animals. Oh, oh sure. Which are in Wales, just across the water. Right. And we had the same studio because we we used to be based in a really big studio, so lots of artists would come and record. They right. played the first two albums there and stuff, didn't they? Yeah, Parsons. Yeah. Studios. studios and but our our studio was called Cabbage Studios. Yeah. Because it was thought... it was in the attic. Oh, did you guys do something? At, did you do something at Britannia Row? That's where we did. Is it me? Pussycat and film star. Okay. And that's because we were mixing it with a guy called Bob Crowshaw. And I, I used to um, I used to work in a place called Battery Studios in London, mm-hmm. which was um, it's in Wilsdon Green, and um, it was I kind of I worked there from around about I think it was like 1999 to 2002, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, quite a lot of bands. Oh. Uh, check it out. So, from working there, though, Laura, you got <laughs> to sing on a Kenobi song. I don't know. Do you know Kenobi? Yes, vaguely. I remember a song or two. A track called Secret, Secret Garden. Garden, which is on, what's the album called, Laura? Um, Verse Course. Verse it's excellent. Yeah. It's really superb. <laughs> They're really, yeah. really nice band. And while you were there, that's when we did the track with Thingo, because I remember sending the yeah. tapes over to London. But that was a really nice studio, and that was in the days before, I guess, you know, when everything was starting to become a little bit, like studios that are trying to sort of stay open, it becomes more difficult because... Um, people are like ourselves you're able to kind of record at home and do whatever you want to do so the bigger studios started to struggle um but um yeah Joe okay. Strummer used to do all his albums there so basically my job was <clears throat> going for like uh one one of the days when I was there was just kind of going for a drink with Joe Strummer um As you oh do. my gosh what I know tell us a Joe Strummer story just okay. Can you I'll, remember? I'll, I, will, just, I will tell you. Just, so I was I was a PA in the studio, and he basically one lunchtime said to me and the receptionist, uh, "Do you want to go to the pub?" So we went to the pub with him, <laughs> and we sat in this pub for two hours. Just and we were just putting songs on the jukebox and just yeah. chatting about stuff. And um, and at the time, the studio was kind of at the point where I probably didn't help, but the studio was at a point where. They were obviously looking at like what it was going to do because it's part of Zomba music, and um, and I was kind of like <clears throat> I'd smoked loads of fags with Joe Strummer, and then he went to the shop and bought a packet of fags and came into the office, and there was a guy in the office with me, and the guy in the office with me was the guy that was going to kind of shut the place down. He was the one who was kind of looking at everything, right. and Joe kind of walked in and just kind of like he bought me a packet of fags and just kind of walked in it, and the whole thing was kind of a bit him kind of going fuck them it doesn't fucking matter you know who gives a fucking shit here you go you know right. just like it was kind of making a bit of a statement to this guy a bit of a kind of a the kind of corporate side of things yes next to me and Jostrom was kind of going i'm gonna fucking yeah do you know what i mean yes that's exactly <laughs> what i want Strummer to do yeah yes and, then, and i was in trouble because the thing is we just went AWOL. We didn't. We didn't tell our bosses where we we're going. We just because the thing is, if if Joe Strummer goes to you, let's go to the pub. You go, don't you? Of course, of course. You don't do. question it. You don't go. You don't go. Oh, I'm just gonna just check with someone. You just fucking go. And that's yeah, it. you do. When I came back, I was like, they were like, where the fuck? Where have you been? You know, you know, and all the rest of it. And uh, I was like, fucking just been with him. <laughs> <laughs> Pointed the finger. Smoking, yeah, smoking cigarettes and just. Uh, oh, that's great. Uh, yeah. Oh man, I bet you. I bet you guys have so many stories like that. This is. I mean, 
You're going to have to jot these down, and we're going to have to do a part two sometime where all you do is just <laughs> tell me these kind of stories on a loop. I think, you know what? I think everyone in the world, we're all connected. That's the thing. I believe this. I think we're all connected. And I think everyone's got like a... Everyone's got a brilliant, lovely story, haven't they? Because we're just connected. Do you remember, do you remember would you, have you heard of Kiss in the Pink? Yes. Yes. Favourite band. Certain things are likely. Oh, my God. Well, that's the PWL days. But then uh, prior to that, we've got What Noise and, and Naked. They're like my biggest favourite band ever in my life. <laughs> and and Josephine, this, the female from oh. Kiss in the Pink, if you, if you recognise her. Do you remember we went to Josephine's party in Wales? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Laura's giving me a mad face. I thought, I'm, she just told that story, and I'm not allowed to go off the rails. <laughs> Tell us. Tell me the story. No, no. She's cool anyway. I'm just going to say that. No, okay. she, no she's, she's cool. She's a bit crazy. Okay. But wow. Yeah, I'm obsessed. That, that is a mind-blowing experience for me, that is okay. actually getting to meet people like that, Josephine Wells and anyone from Kissing the Pink, because they blow my mind. They're just wow. amazing. Superb. That is incredible. Um, now, you had, uh, I mentioned Britannia Row earlier because right this minute I'm reading Peter Hook's book on New Order. Our manager Sexies. manages Peter Hook. Does he really? The ex Mulu manager, yeah. Pete Bernie manages Peter Hook. No way. I went to see him live and he did a New Order set. It was yes. absolutely amazing. It was. I just it saw was him phenomenal. It was better than New Order. And we've seen New Order live as well. Yep. Remember, we went to see New I Order. Think- yeah, it was good. I, I, I thought it was all right. Did you go see yeah. Peter? Hook, though? I, well, the uh, Peter Hook one was no, amazing. no. The New Order one was in the Olympia in, oh, the, Olympia. in Liverpool. It was quite a few years ago, and, and I actually thought it was not very good. Yes, they are not yeah. known for being that great of a live band. <laughs> I, had, yeah. I had the same thing. I saw Peter Hook in this smaller club here, and he played all of Joy Division substance, and then all oh, of baby. New Order substance, and it was mind blowing. And then I saw New Order in a bigger venue with the lights and the production and they are so boring yeah 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 it yeah. wasn't good i was just yeah. so, i think it's the olympia in liverpool it's a, such a beautiful venue but the i think the issue is it is voices are very strong live and that's all right mm-hmm. do you know what i mean because actually yeah. sometimes bands are better record the better better studio bands aren't they some bands just aren't good live and that's fine do you know what i mean yeah. I, i'm 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 fine but that's the creative process in it and it's cool but yeah it was a bit shit and actually, yeah. I saw, and, and, and similarly, I, I saw Badly John Boy, and he played for three hours, and that was just like Jesus Christ, you know, that's a nightmare. Yeah, but you're from but the then, same city, aren't you? I am, and oh I, 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 love I love Badly John Boy. I love him, but the gig was too long. But then I saw the Swans. Have you heard of a band called the Swans? Yes, of course. <clears throat> the, the Swans, Jerry Kelly. No, the Swans. It's a different. Oh, Swans. different Swans. Oh, it's Swans. So they they played um, Sound City about three years ago, and. They played for three hours and I fucking loved every minute of it. It was like Seriously? a kind of yeah, it was like a kind yeah. of it was almost it was almost like a meditative kind of gig. Yeah. It was mad. It was so mad. It was just like so it's weird really. I think it's yeah. I kinda yeah. got between like I want the gig to be fast yeah. I want it to just go on forever and I kinda did I feel it. Whatever it is, <laughs> shorter or long. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's funny, I saw Bra- I a badly drawn boy at the Fillmore in San Francisco almost what? 20 years ago and I hated it because <laughs> he would start a song and then he would he Finish would no. get lost and he would oh, like he had just had a kid and he passed no. his picture of a daughter around which is sweet but 
there was no like cohesion. He would yeah. just start a song and then he would get lost in it. And then he'd start telling a story and then it would turn to another song that, but they were all just ideas kind of like flashing out of his brain. There was no structure to it whatsoever. I mean, that idea, you know, what's really mad about that, John, like, I love that idea. And I kind of, right. in, in theory, I love it. Like I'm going, even now talking about, I'm going, why didn't I like that? Because I actually like that kind of yeah. improvisational kind of idea, but actually in reality, it just wasn't that good. And I, all no. I wanted to do was to play the songs really. But then yeah. I guess that's, as he was probably challenging us as an audience. And I quite, and I know in reality, you kind of go, fucking hell, people are doing that now, aren't they? And making it, you know, they go, it's performance art and we're doing this. Yeah. And he was probably doing that. Cause he had like, he had like bell ringers. He had these kind of mm -hmm. like, it was like a, a group of like women who would like bell ringing with like, you know, it's beautiful. It was really nice. It was like the intro mm -hmm. of the gig. Yeah, it was really amazing. Mm. But then he just kind of went, and I was just like, by the end of it, I was like, he's not finished one song. And that exactly. was, and yes, that was exactly. three hours. <laughs> yes. And I was like, oh, and, yeah. um, but I really, I mean, I still really love him, but it was yeah. just a bit of a mad, it was just a bit of a mad gig. But oh, one of the, some of the best gigs I've seen, I've got a bit like, the, if, I mean, you're not even asking that, but I'm going to tell you, best <laughs> gigs I've seen, I'm going to just say, I'm going to um, Bat for Lashes, uh, Julia Holter I've seen recently was amazing. Um, PJ Harvey, they're my like uh, three, they're my like three top. And I saw Bjork actually, and um, she she played at Manchester International Festival, and she was good, but it wasn't like yeah. PJ Harvey just kind of like knocked knocked her off the kind of interesting top really. Yeah, yeah. Just her. I've seen both. Top. Uh, I saw PJ just a couple of years ago for the first time. I've never been that big of a fan. I'm not not a fan. I've just never paid yeah. super close attention. And a buddy of mine took me and it was great. And then uh, I went and saw Bjork at Red Rocks a few years ago. And it was, I look, I loved Bjork when she came out and she just keeps getting weirder and weirder. And it's, I'm losing interest. I can't, I'm not, I can't follow her on this creative path, unfortunately. And so the show was just weird music it wasn't like i just wanted to hear songs give me some songs yeah. that i know you know um but anyway i respect her as an artist i just don't know yeah enjoy i mean, I, mean I, th I think that's the thing i think i think everyone's kind of i think what i love about both of them is they're just they're really kind of out there and they're not really afraid to try something new and like really push push the fucking boundaries yeah thing i think with bjork you know she's kind of does that just and it was i mean it was an amazing gig it's just that aesthetically sometimes when i hear music if it, if it really fucking hits you yeah. it hits you for different reasons doesn't it and i think mm. with pgr but she just did a gig and there was like one light on her she just had like a light that she kept going in and out yes. she just played the album from start to finish and the intensity of that experience was just very um yeah. i don't know it was just it was just fucking like a solid brilliant amazing musical experience yeah. you know what i mean so sure. i don't know but i'm like that with back for lashes because her voice live is just like like immaculate it's like is it? i've never seen her live my god you should <laughs> okay alan tell us your favorite concert what's your favorite uh, the recent the most recent one was papoose have you heard of papoose i've heard of papoose i don't know anything about him french band absolutely okay. phenomenal it was like fucking mind-blowing i loved it Every second of it. Wow. And um, I went to see Polo and Pan as well. Who? Polo and Pan. I don't know them. Oh my god! Another French band. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like French music. I can tell. So, um, <laughs> Polo and Pan, phenomenal. That was in like an old warehouse for papers. And stuff. Oh god! Sorry. Oh, this is the dog. Laura's boyfriend just coming into the room. <laughs> Laura's boyfriend. <laughs> um, and who else? Oh god. 
Thomas Dolby. I've seen Thomas Dolby yeah, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Who yeah. else? Depeche Mode. They've always been the best gigs yeah. of my life ever. Yeah. Um, I saw the Waltz Boys when I was sixteen. Shit. Really? Amazing. Yeah, they were I amazing. Hate them. Did you hold them in? They were amazing. I was no, like, they blew my mind. And I saw. Um, Oh God, I've just forgotten now for a second. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. Uh, just, I, I'm going so to many good shows. Um, I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah, which is, you know, b- bands didn't come through Salt Lake City very often. And so I didn't get to, since then I've lived in Denver and, and San Francisco. So you, we see a lot of, all the big bands come through here now. So it's, I've had to make up for lost time, but growing up, I didn't get to see too many bands. Although we did have, uh, Utah, for whatever reason, has a very strong 80s alternative love like howard jones goes there and sells out large amp- outdoor amphitheaters it's That's crazy nuts. yeah i'm gonna have to because i'm about jones. to speak to gary from china crisis to get him to get me into howard jones gig because they're really? each other in manchester here so yeah. it's howard jones in china crisis i'm hoping <laughs> to talk to howard here soon in <laughs> fact I saw. I went. I drove to Utah to see China Crisis really? open one of those '80s shows shit. about five years ago with Howard. Yeah. Howard was the headliner. Oh shit! Or was it Tom Bailey? I don't remember. One of oh, them. Tom Bailey as well. I think he did stuff as well. Yeah, and yeah. all the all the usual stuff to power yeah. and it, yeah. Mid uh, was on there. And, oh yeah. yeah, but it was excellent. Um, who else? Yeah. I think. God, I've seen, I've seen the Blow Monkeys as well. I've seen oh, I love them. I love the blood. Amazing. Um yeah. God, so many people. Feist. Feist was an amazing oh, game. Have you had a Feist? Uh, sure. One, two, three, four. Yeah, and she yeah. she did um she did a really um kind of intimate gig in Manchester and it was really intimate. Wow. Um, friends of ours, Bent, they did a really cool oh. set of gigs. Do you like Bent? I don't know them. I th- <laughs> the name sounds a little familiar. Amazing. They're okay. Different. So we went to see them live as well. Okay. Um Christ, I can't remember. This is great. The, 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 the most recent gig I've been to is, shit, what's the, what's the last gig? Oh, yeah, what was the last gig? It was UB40. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love UB40. Random. Just, just on Saturday gone, was Sunday gone, wasn't it? Just and then Sunday. before that was me. Oh, yeah, it was Laura. I went to see Laura before UB40. I there thought you UB40 know. was better, actually. Oh, <laughs> <my> God, <laughs> I know, Laura was great, but like... Oh, that's classic. Yeah, yeah, that was amazing. Cool. Well, guys, this was such a blast. Thank you for doing this with me. I have been so curious about you guys for so long. <laughs> We're still alive. We're still there. We're alive. That is great. I am so grateful. Thanks, guys, for talking with me. No problem. Um, it no, means thanks, a lot. Thanks for asking there you have it i hope you enjoyed that lauren allen are so great i i understand if you were kind of like what is going on here with some of that conversation but here's my feeling a lot of the time on these conversations i get kind of a charge when in people i interview and this goes for other podcasts too drop names that i'm familiar with you know they say they casually say something like oh yeah when i met kurt smith and you're like what your antenna goes up the kurt smith i love kurt smith you know what i mean and i felt like if you were really keyed in especially to british music of the 90s you heard a lot of names in here that caused that antenna to go up 
If you didn't, I understand. But anyway, I thought it was just a really fun conversation of three people who really, really love music. And go check out Smiles Like a Shark. In fact, I included on the show notes here, there's a link to their SoundCloud page that features a lot of remixed versions and some of the songs we talk about on here. Because the references were coming so fast and loose, I didn't include a cue for every single thing that came up. It just would have been too kind of bulky. But anyway, a lot of the stuff that came up is in, is found on the SoundCloud page where the, on the link that's included in the notes. So hopefully you find that if you want to check out more, okay? Anyway, these two are great. Uh, next week, we are going to go, uh, it's going to be a conversation kind of like this one, honestly. I'm going to be speaking with a staff writer, um, well, a music writer. And uh, as I have done in the past, it gets into sort of the nature of music criticism, why music critics like certain things and don't like certain things, and while they, why they all seem to feel that way. And, you know, as much as I love music critics, I find a lot of them kind of snobby, and so I kind of lay into this guy. Anyway, if you want to hear another conversation, this one's long, it's like two hours long, of uh, me and a, and a prominent music writer debating certain artists that's what's coming up next week okay uh by the way i want to close it out with another one of the singles off of that smiles like a shark album this is film star and it's great and we didn't get to play it in the show so i wanted to play it here it's so good huge thanks as always to yan the man makevich for everything that he does thank you buddy for all your hard work uh you guys can find us on facebook and like our page you can send us a message at the at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at The Hustle Pod. And uh, I don't think there may be a bonus coming out later this week. Probably not, but maybe. Uh, otherwise, we will be back next Tuesday with a regularly scheduled episode. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>